0: Good morning, church. Uh, My name is Ryan Ramson. If I don't know you, um, I'm the connections minister here. Alan is, um, I don't like, it feels bad saying this, but he's on a cruise. Um, But this is a family reunion kind of cruise they've had on the books for years that kept getting postponed due uh, to COVID. And so I believe he's getting on the boat today. Is that right? Yeah, he's getting on the boat today. So he'll be gone this week and next week. But uh, I'm so thankful to be able to to share a message with you this morning. But um, as I'm coming up here this morning, I'm realizing it's been, it's been kind of a heavy week uh, around here in our church community, in our, in our state, in our country. There's just It's been a heavy week. Um, on Friday, uh, we celebrated the life of Willie Godot uh, here in this auditorium. And um, Willie was a pillar in this church and in this community. He was a man that loved the Lord with all of his heart, and he lived his life uh, to honor God and to spread Christ. And, and I'm, I'm gonna miss Willie. I've missed Willie, seeing him in the hallways, in the office, uh, seeing him here on Sunday mornings, and his, his impact will really be felt here for, for generations, truly will. And so we, we celebrated his life on Friday here, and um, it was a sweet moment, but, but heavy. And on Tuesday this week, um, we turned on the news to find that there had been a school shooting just just 270 some odd miles away from us in Uvalde, and 21 people lost their lives to lives to um, just senseless murder. And to watch the news come in from that has been heavy, heavy for me. Uh, I have a kindergartner uh, that we send to school, and went to school this week. Then the days prior. It just it's been hard to watch some of that news and hard to watch some of that footage. And our hearts are are broken for, for the families and what they're going through. Uh, we're bro- they're broken for the world that we live in, where this happens uh, too often. And so to begin our service this morning, to get this time of our service, I wanted to just take a moment and come to a place of quiet and stillness, because I think we're all bringing a lot into this room this week. And so I want us to just have a moment of silence where we, we focus on Christ, try to clear our minds and come to a peaceful place. And I'll end that moment with just a prayer uh, for, for all that's going on in our world, but especially for the families in Uvalde. So if you'll just come to the quiet and stillness and peace with me this morning. holy and merciful Father, we bring all that's heavy on our hearts to you and just lay it at your feet. God, we lift up um, all of the the family and the community in Uvalde that is uh, just reeling after a very uh, impossibly difficult week. We pray that your comfort and your peace and your grace be upon them. We pray that you surround them with with people to show love to them, people to walk beside them in grief and in pain. And God, um, now more than ever, we pray that your kingdom come in this place. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come and pour pour your mercies out upon us. Return and, and take us home with you. But until that day, God, we just beg your mercies and your grace and your comfort. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So sitting in silence, I'm wondering how, uh, how that is for you, how you experience moments of silence. If, if you're like me, as I sit in silence, even if I'm trying really hard to focus on something, I can't help but other thoughts come into my head. And like things that I'm not even meaning to think about or, or meaning to come into my brain all of a sudden will flood my brain and before I know it, I can't think of anything else but that thing that has just entered my brain. It makes me think of the movie Inside Out when um, that, that gum commercial song keeps popping into some, to the, to Riley's head. And at moments that that's nothing like what's on her mind, but that gum song comes into your head. Maybe that happens to you today with uh, jingles or uh, like TikToks that come in, uh, maybe they uh, come into your brain. It's so interesting how a thought can overtake our minds and without even realizing it, sometimes our focus is totally consumed by this thing that has just popped into our head. And this morning, I wanna, I wanna talk about that a little bit in light of something that we see in Psalm 23 uh, and also something that, uh, that I've read recently by Louis Giglio that really impacted me. So let's look at uh, Psalm 23 together. We've been singing the words to this song throughout the service today. And this is such a well-known passage. We, we memorize this passage, we teach this passage. You might've at one time had like a cross stitch of this passage hanging in your house. Anybody had a cross stitch hanging in your house of this passage? I, we did, my mom was a big cross stitcher. And it speaks to us. I think this passage speaks to us in the heaviness that we feel um, and paints a picture of something that I want us to be aware of today. So let's read uh, Psalm 23 together and, and try to hear it this morning with, with fresh ears. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's this beautiful image of the Lord being our shepherd, right? He he guides us and he leads us. In one hand, he holds a shepherd's crook that he can use to, to nudge us in the right direction, to maybe grab onto us and keep us from going a certain direction. But in the other hand, he's got a rod, And with that rod, he can use it to fight off enemies, to fight off something that is gonna attack us. And we have this beautiful image of a good, good shepherd. But then David paints this picture for us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So the Lord, the creator of all things has prepared a table for you. Some translations say that he's prepared a feast for you a table that I'm sure is set and prepared for a meal for two, set with all of your favorite foods and plenty of it, maybe a table somewhat similar to this one right here with two place settings. And he's sitting there inviting you to this table now, you think that this table, we imagine it would be set in a really majestic location, right? It's outdoors. There's like rolling meadows. There's mountains in the backgrounds. Julie Andrews is singing The Hills Are Alive with the sound of music. I mean, you, it's picturesque, but that's not where this table is sitting. The table is set in the presence of our enemies. So you're at a meal with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and surrounding you watching you are your enemies, those that would wish you harm, those that would wish you pain to bring about worry and fear and anxiety into your life. The very enemies that want nothing more than death and destruction for this world are sitting in your presence. The table that is set for you and the Lord is sitting in the presence of your enemies. So this table is in a little bit of a precarious place, right? Because it could be so easy for one of these enemies that you're in the presence of that's surrounding you to just pull up a seat at your table and come and sit right next to you. And then all of a sudden, the things that the enemy wants to tell you, pull your focus away from the Lord that you're sitting with at the table. And he can be so sly to to get into your brain, to get into your head, and pull your focus away. Maybe sounds a little something like this. Man, there's so much on your plate right now. If you don't, if you don't finish these things, if you don't accomplish that, then you're nothing. You're nothing if you don't, if you don't achieve this. Look at, look at that guy over there. Look at the house that he lives in. His house is so much bigger than your house. Wouldn't it be nice if like you could have a, a little bit bigger house, a little bit nicer car, more, more, like, more like that guy. Yeah, I wish we were more like him and we'd be happy. Hey, grab your phone. Pick, a, pick up your phone and send that text message to her. It's flirty, but you know, it's just fun. No one's ever going to know and it'll feel so good to have that attention given to you. No one's going to know. Just, just, just send that text message, man. No, it's not a big deal. Do you see her over there? Do you see her? You know, did you hear who she voted for and the things that she believes? Someone like that isn't to be trusted. I, I, I think that, pers- that kind of person's an idiot. And, and we definitely don't need to give any effort or time to get into that person because they're dumb. We don't need to talk to them. Did you see the news this week? Man, there is no hope. There's no hope in this world, we're all alone. There's nowhere we can be safe, there's no hope. Man, the devil can be sneaky, y'all, to try to give us messages and tell us things, to get us to take our focus away from who we're sitting at the table with, from the Lord who wants to have this meal and this time with us. And he's been good at it, he's really good at it. He's been doing it for years. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. The enemy literally slithers up to Eve and tells her, you can eat that fruit. Surely you're not gonna die if you eat that fruit. Go ahead and do it. She gives the enemy a seat at her table. And then what happens? She eats the fruit, Adam eats the fruit, they're kicked out of the garden and there's a curse upon all of humanity in the world. And think of Moses. He's standing in front of the burning bush And God's giving him this lofty task that he's going to set all of the Israelites free from captivity. And in that moment, I really think the enemy is in Moses's ear. And he's telling Moses, you can't speak well. Do these people know who you are? And thankfully Moses says those things out loud to God and God's able to come, but in that moment, the enemy's trying to get a seat there. He's trying to thwart the plans of God in that moment with Moses. Even Jesus has to deal with keeping the enemy at bay when he's tempted by the devil in in scripture. The devil wants him to do what's best for himself. He wants him to save himself, and and he's trying to get in there in that moment and thwart the will of God in that moment. And we see it all too often today. Recently, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe just because it's the world that I live in, but recently there's been podcasts, documentaries, news stories, like scandal after scandal, moment after moment, where church leaders, people that started out wanting to honor God and grow his church, have been found out to have been mishandling funds within their church, have been found out to be interacting with, with the members of the opposite sex in inappropriate ways. And then it becomes a big story in the world. And I really believe that in those moments, that person, that, that leader started out Sitting at this table with the Lord, and slowly the enemy just started creeping in until he said, It's okay if you skim this a little bit off the top. It's okay if you put this money here. We have too many stories right now of church leaders that give the enemy a seat at their table, take their focus away from Christ, and then end up in the news. The the subject of a 12-episode podcast. And I'll be honest, I've I've allowed the enemy to have a seat at my table. For a long time, I really believed that my worth, my value in people's eyes was tied to what I could do for them, what I I did, the things that I could accomplish. And so I was somebody that said no, didn't say no to anything and said yes to everything, thinking that, that the more I did, the more I would increase in value and friendship with people in my life. And that translated into my relationship with God as well. I thought I had to earn the love and, and the salvation from God by doing so many things, as many things as I could do. And it took a, a lot of, of focus on Christ and some, some conversations with trusted individuals to realize, like, I am not what I accomplish or what I do, and that that is, has no impact on how the Lord sees me. But I believed that. I believed that for a long time because I was allowing the enemy to tell me, you are only as good as what you accomplish. And the more you do, the more you'll find love. So we're here at the table with the Lord in the presence of our enemies. And how do we cultivate this relationship, this interaction and not let the enemy creep up and sit with us. And I believe that if we'll keep our focus singularly on Christ, while we're sitting at the table with our Lord, if we practice this and actively and continuously turn our focus back to Christ, we can enjoy and thrive in this relationship and have on some blinders that will keep the enemy in our midst, but not at our table. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse three, Paul tells us, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So this, is a, this isn't just about a battle that's raging in the spiritual realms that we can't see. This is about the battle that rages in each and every one of us as individuals. And Paul tells us that we have these weapons that can demolish strongholds, and, and how do we do that? And he tells us, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. If we know Christ and we proclaim Christ to be our Lord and savior, then we have all we need to capture and demolish any attacks that the enemy might have, any thoughts that would come into our head and remain sitting at the table with the Lord. We have the ability to overcome. The apostle Paul uh, who wrote this encouragement to us in, in 1 Corinthians models something that many call this single mind It's a mind that is singularly focused on Christ. And Paul, throughout his ministry, views everything through this. He views everything through this lens of Jesus Christ and spreading the gospel. When he's in prison, when he's writing, when he's traveling, even when he's facing death, he is fully focused on Jesus Christ. And at one point in Acts 16, Paul is singing and praying in prison. In in the depths, in despair, in prison, in chains, Paul is sitting here at the table with the Lord, singing and praying. And then the walls begin to shake and the prison is torn apart. And at that moment, Paul has the ability to escape. There's even people that want him to leave that say you should go to try to let him go. However, he doesn't and do that. Instead, he stays and wants to be escorted out by the magistrates there. And he does this because of the single mind of Christ that he has. He wants, he wants to, the people to see him be released. Because if he's not, if he just goes, then he could be called an escaped convict. He could be called someone not to be trusted. And his message wouldn't be trusted. And so he says that he's going to stay there and not run away, even though that means he'll be physically uh, restrained or even hurt. Now, what if Paul didn't have this single-minded focus, right? It would be so easy for the enemy to creep up and say, you don't owe these people anything. You need to do what's best for you. Get out of here. Run away. Take care of yourself first. You don't owe these people anything. But the enemy can creep up unnoticed and often tempt us to do what's best for our own well-being, to do what we want selfishly. And here, Paul rests at the table with the Lord and says, I'll wait, I'll stay here. And the single mind is a powerful tool in demolishing the messages that the enemy tries to give us. If we're able to focus on Christ and view all that we see, all that we think, all that we hear, all that we feel through this lens of the crucified savior, we'll be able to recognize when the enemy is creeping up and then recalibrate our focus back to Christ. And this isn't something that comes naturally to us, right? In fact, it's something that's very difficult to do because our brains, our minds are so complex and they're ever, ever increasingly full of more and more things. It can be easy for things, the messages the enemy's trying to give us to get lost in just everything that's going on and then kind of come back to it every so often until it just takes root in us. Think back to the moment of silence we had in the beginning. How many just thoughts were coming into your head? How many things were were being thought about in that one moment? Even standing up here in front of you, I can confess that even in that moment, I had this like thought, I was thinking about how this thing feels on my ear. I was wondering if Lucy had stayed in church to see her dad preach or gone to kids worship. Like those are the thoughts that were entering my mind at that time. I think she left, she didn't wanna stay to. um. But it's in those moments of silence where we can practice, we can train ourselves to focus on Christ. And silence is not something that we, we engage in very often. In fact, I would guess that silence is often something we try to avoid in our lives. Silence isn't the most glamorous of spiritual disciplines that we can practice, but it's in silence that we can train ourselves to focus on Christ. It's in moments of silence where we can truly sit at the table and just rest in the presence of the Lord. Now I wanna challenge you to find times to be in silence, to practice that discipline. It's a spiritual discipline that we can practice. Oftentimes in scripture, we see Jesus retreating to moments of solitude and silence in order to recenter himself on the, the task that's at hand and his heavenly father. When you're working to focus on Christ, to have that single mind, Oftentimes when that other thought comes in, in moments of silence, we can recognize that it's there. We can acknowledge that thought and then take it captive and put it away. And when we can learn to do that in silence, to work on this single mind of Christ in silence, when there's tragedy, when there's chaos, when the world is is going crazy all around us, we will be more able to keep our focus on Christ in those moments, because in moments of silence, we've trained ourselves on how to do that. I think about, I think about uh, Willie, when I think about the single mind of Christ. And if you knew Willie Godot, you knew that he was viewing everything through the lens of Jesus Christ. Every moment was an opportunity to focus on Christ, to share Christ. Um, he, was, he was a man that was, had his focus, that spent time with the Lord, and you could tell that just in the way that he lived. The good news is this, it's this difficult thing to keep Christ as the focus is that we don't have to do this all alone. We've got the Holy Spirit living within us. And Christ has already won the victory. He's won the victory over the enemy. He's won the victory over death when he, when he rose from the grave. And the power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives inside each and every one of us. Romans 8, 11 assures us of this. We have power over the enemy and his ways of getting into our head and to our heart and turning our focus away from Christ. And we've accepted Christ. That single mind is possible. We have the power to kick the enemy out of our table and focus on Christ. Now, the single focus doesn't mean that that's the only thing we do at all times that we become um, a monk or someone that just retreats into silence all the time and never engages with the world. But the single mind is something that can and should permeate every single part of our life. So if you're a parent, and that is a great deal of your focus at this time in your life is parenting your kids, how how would you be as a parent if you viewed all of your interactions with your children, all these moments through the lens of Christ, if you come to the table and sit with Christ and then are going to your children to parent and engage with them, how can a single mind of Christ impact you as a parent? And at work, when we've got a million things on our plate to deal with. How would we be as an as a employee, as someone that volunteers or whatever it is you do in this community if Christ was your main focus? If you were coming to the table and spending time with Christ then going out into the world, how would that change if you were, fo- were single-mindedly focused on Christ at all, all times of your day? Now think about our students that are in, with us this morning. And it's, it's summertime. We're finally through the school year and it's summer. And summer has a wealth of opportunities in front of you to to do so many different things. But how can you make this summer an opportunity to draw closer to Christ and view him and view Christ as a part of all the things that you'll be doing this summer? Every moment that we have is an opportunity to have the single mind of Christ and this focus on Christ. It also doesn't mean that we won't have hardships or difficulty or pain in our life. We absolutely will, we're guaranteed of that. But it does mean that when times come that are difficult, we can find ourselves at the table with Christ and all moments can be an opportunity for deeper connection, deeper peace, joy, comfort, and love from our good shepherd. So I wanna look at Psalms 23 one more time And I'm gonna read it from a different translation. I'm gonna read it from the message. And as you listen to these words, imagine sitting with the Lord and saying these things to him. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Brothers and sisters, we have a Savior, one that has prepared a table for each and every one of us, and he longs for us to join us here at the table, to share his hope and his love and his grace and forgiveness with us for all eternity, and what a beautiful prospect that is, to sit with our Lord with a singular focus on him while the enemy looks on and shudders because the mind of Christ demolishes his power and control over us and slowly and 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 in a small way, he loses his grip on this world. So I want to ask that you stand up as I read this benediction this morning. May you this week hear the voice of the Lord as you sit in his presence and commune with him. May you look to Christ in times of joy and cry out to him in times of pain and heartache. May you find your place at the table with our Lord and find hope, healing, love and truth in his presence. And may we sit in the presence of our enemies and have no fear because the Lord truly is our shepherd.